Lady Susan. Section 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lady Susan by Jane Austen. Section 5. Lady Susan. Read by Kristen Hughes. Mrs. Johnson. Read by Kirsten Ferreri. Mrs. Vernon. Read by Rachel Ellen. 25. Lady Susan to Mrs. Johnson. Churchill. I call on you, dear Alicia, for congratulations. I am my own self, gay and triumphant. When I wrote to you the other day, I was, in truth, in high irritation, and with ample cause. Nay, I know not whether I ought to be quite tranquil now, for I have had more trouble in restoring peace than I ever intended to submit to. A spirit, too, resulting from a fancied sense of superior integrity, which is peculiarly insolent. I shall not easily forgive him, I assure you. He was actually on the point of leaving Churchill. I had scarcely concluded my last, when Wilson brought me word of it. I found, therefore, that something must be done, for I did not choose to leave my character at the mercy of a man whose passions are so violent and so revengeful. It would have been trifling with my reputation to allow of his departing with such an impression in my disfavour. In this light condescension was necessary. I sent Wilson to say that I desired to speak with him before he went. He came immediately. The angry emotions, which had marked every feature when we last parted, were partially subdued. He seemed astonished at the summons, and looked as if half wishing and half fearing to be softened by what I might say. If my countenance expressed what I aimed at, it was composed and dignified, and yet, with a degree of pensiveness, which might convince him that I was not quite happy. "'I beg your pardon, sir, for the liberty I have taken in sending for you,' said I. "'But as I have just learnt your intention of leaving this place to-day, I feel it my duty to entreat that you will not on my account shorten your visit here even an hour. I am perfectly aware that after what has passed between us, it would ill-suit the feelings of either to remain longer in the same house. So very great, so total a change from the intimacy of friendship, must render any future intercourse the severest punishment. And your resolution of quitting Churchill is undoubtedly in unison with our situation, and with those lively feelings which I know you to possess. But at the same time, it is not for me to suffer such a sacrifice— as it must be to leave relations to whom you are so much attached, and are so very dear. My remaining here cannot give that pleasure to Mr. and Mrs. Vernon, which your society must, and my visit has already perhaps been too long. My removal, therefore, which must, at any rate, take place soon, may with perfect convenience be hastened, and I make it my particular request— that I may not in any way be instrumental in separating a family so affectionately attached to each other. Where I go is of no consequence to any one, of very little to myself, but you are of importance to all your connections. Here I concluded, 
and I hope you'll be satisfied with my speech. Its effect on Reginald justifies some portion of vanity, for it was no less favourable than instantaneous. Oh, how delightful it was to watch the variations of his countenance while I spoke, to see the struggle between returning tenderness and the remains of displeasure. There is something agreeable in feelings so easily worked on. Not that I envy him their possession, nor would for the world have such myself, but they are very convenient when one wishes to influence the passions of another. And yet this Reginald, whom a very few words from me softened at once into the utmost submission, and rendered more tractable, more attached, more devoted than ever, would have left me in the first angry swelling of his proud heart, without deigning to seek an explanation. Humbled as he is now, I cannot forgive him such an instance of pride, and am doubtful whether I ought not to punish him by dismissing him at once after this reconciliation, or by marrying and teasing him for ever. But these measures are each too violent to be adopted without some deliberation. At present, my thoughts are fluctuating between various schemes. I have many things to compass. I must punish Frederica, and pretty severely, too, for her application to Reginald. I must punish him for receiving it so favourably, and for the rest of his conduct. I must torment my sister-in-law for the insolent triumph of her look and manner, since Sir James has been dismissed. For, in reconciling Reginald to me, I was not able to save that ill-fated young man, and I must make myself amends for the humiliation to which I have stooped within these few days. To effect all this I have various plans. I have also an idea of being soon in town, and whatever may be my determination as to the rest, I shall probably put that project in execution, for London will be always the fairest field of action, however my views may be directed, and at any rate I shall there be rewarded by your society, and a little dissipation, for a ten weeks' penance at Churchill. I believe I owe it to my character to complete the match between my daughter and Sir James, after having so long intended it. Let me know your opinion on this point. Flexibility of mind, a disposition easily biased by others, is an attribute which you know I am not very desirous of obtaining, nor has Frederica any claim to the indulgence of her notions at the expense of her mother's inclinations. Her idle love for Reginald, too. It is surely my duty to discourage such romantic nonsense. All things considered, therefore, it seems incumbent on me to take her to town and marry her immediately to Sir James. When my own will is effected contrary to his, I shall have some credit in being on good terms with Reginald, which at present, in fact, I have not. For though he is still in my power, I have given up the very article by which our quarrel was produced. And at best the honour of victory is doubtful. Send me your opinion on all these matters, my dear Alicia, and let me know whether you can get lodgings to suit me within a short distance of you. Your most attached, S. Vernon. 26. Mrs. Johnson to Lady Susan. Edward Street. I am gratified by your reference, and this is my advice, that you come to town yourself, without loss of time, but that you leave Frederica behind. 
It would surely be much more to the purpose to get yourself well established by marrying Mr. de Courcy than to irritate him and the rest of his family by making her marry Sir James. You should think more of yourself and less of your daughter. She is not of a disposition to do you credit in the world, and seems precisely in her proper place at Churchill, with the Vernons. But you are fitted for society, and it is shameful to have you exiled from it. Leave Frederica, therefore, to punish herself for the plague she has given you, by indulging that romantic tender-heartedness which will always ensure her misery enough, and come to London as soon as you can. I have another reason for urging this. Mannering came to town last week, and has contrived, in spite of Mr. Johnson, to make opportunities of seeing me. He is absolutely miserable about you, and jealous to such a degree of decourcy that it would be highly unadvisable for them to meet at present. And yet, if you do not allow him to see you here, I cannot answer for his not committing some great imprudence, such as going to Churchill, for instance, which would be dreadful. Besides, if you take my advice, and resolve to marry de Courcy, it will be indispensably necessary to you to get Mannering out of the way, and you only can have influence enough to send him back to his wife. I have still another motive for your coming. Mr. Johnson leaves London next Tuesday. He is going for his health to Bath, where, if the waters are favourable to his constitution, and my wishes, he will be laid up with the gout many weeks— during his absence we shall be able to choose our own society, and to have true enjoyment. I would ask you to Edward Street, but that once he forced from me a kind of promise never to invite you to my house, nothing but my being in the utmost distress for money should have extorted it from me. I can get you, however, a nice drawing-room apartment in Upper Seymour Street, and we may be always together, there or here, for I consider my promise to Mr. Johnson as comprehending only, at least in his absence, you're not sleeping in the house. Poor Mannering gives me such histories of his wife's jealousy. Silly woman, to expect constancy from so charming a man. But she always was silly, intolerably so, in marrying him at all, she the heiress of a large fortune, and he without a shilling. One title I know she might have had besides baronets. Her folly in forming the connection was so great that, though Mr. Johnson was her guardian, and I do not in general share his feelings— I never can forgive her. Adieu. Yours ever, Alicia. 27. Mrs. Vernon to Lady de Courcy. Churchill. This letter, my dear mother, will be brought to you by Reginald. His long visit is about to be concluded at last, but I fear the separation takes place too late to do us any good. She is going to London to see her particular friend, Mrs. Johnson. It was at first her intention that Frederica should accompany her, for the benefit of masters, but we overruled her there. Frederica was wretched in the idea of going, and I could not bear to have her at the mercy of her mother. Not all the masters in London could compensate for the ruin of her comfort. I should have feared, too, for her health, and for everything but her principles. There I believe she is not to be injured by her mother, or her mother's friends, but with those friends she must have mixed— a very bad set, I doubt not, or have been left in total solitude, and I can hardly tell which would have been worse for her. If she is with her mother, moreover, she must, alas, in all probability be with Reginald, and that would be the greatest evil of all. 
Here we shall in time be in peace, and our regular employments, our books and conversations, with exercise, the children, and every domestic pleasure in my power to procure her, will, I trust, gradually overcome this youthful attachment. I should not have a doubt of it were she slighted for any other woman in the world than her own mother. How long Lady Susan will be in town, or whether she returns here again, I know not. I could not be cordial in my invitation, but if she chooses to come no want of cordiality on my part will keep her away. I could not help asking Reginald if he intended being in London this winter, as soon as I found her ladyship's steps would be bent thither, and though he professed himself quite undetermined, there was something in his look and voice as he spoke which contradicted his words. I have done with lamentation. I look upon the event as so far decided that I resign myself to it in despair. If he leaves you soon for London, everything will be concluded. Your affectionate, etc. C. Vernon. 28. Mrs. Johnson to Lady Susan. Edward Street. My dearest friend, I write in the greatest distress. The most unfortunate event has just taken place. Mr. Johnson has hit on the most effectual manner of plaguing us all. He had heard, I imagine, by some means or other, that you were soon to be in London, and immediately contrived to have such an attack of the gout as must at least delay his journey to Bath, if not wholly prevent it. I am persuaded the gout is brought on or kept off at pleasure. It was the same when I wanted to join the Hamiltons to the lakes, and three years ago, when I had a fancy for Bath, nothing could induce him to have a gouty symptom. I am pleased to find that my letter had so much effect on you, and that de Courcy is certainly your own. Let me hear from you as soon as you arrive, and in particular tell me what you mean to do with Mannering. It is impossible to say when I shall be able to come to you. My confinement must be great. It is such an abominable trick to be ill here instead of at Bath that I can scarcely command myself at all. At Bath his old aunts would have nursed him, but here it all falls upon me— and he bears pain with such patience that I have not the common excuse for losing my temper. Yours ever, Alicia. 29. Lady Susan Vernon to Mrs. Johnson. Upper Seymour Street. My dear Alicia, there needed not this last fit of gout to make me detest Mr. Johnson, but now the extent of my aversion is not to be estimated. To have you confined as his nurse in his apartment! My dear Alicia, of what a mistake were you guilty in marrying a man of his age? Just old enough to be formal, ungovernable, and to have the gout, too old to be agreeable, too young to die. I arrived last night about five, had scarcely swallowed my dinner, when Mannering made his appearance. I will not dissemble what real pleasure his sight afforded me nor how strongly I felt the contrast between his person and manners, and those of Reginald, to the infinite disadvantage of the latter. For an hour or two I was even staggered in my resolution of marrying him, and though this was too idle and nonsensical an idea to remain long on my mind, I do not feel very eager for the conclusion of my marriage, nor look forward with much impatience to the time when Reginald, according to our agreement, is to be in town. I shall probably put off his arrival under some pretense or other. He must not come till Mannering is gone. I am still doubtful at times as to marrying. 
If the old man would die, I might not hesitate. But a state of dependence on the caprice of Sir Reginald will not suit the freedom of my spirit. And if I resolve to wait for that event, I shall have excuse enough at present, in having been scarcely ten months a widow. I have not given Mannering any hint of my intention, or allowed him to consider my acquaintance with Reginald as more than the commonest flirtation, and he is tolerably appeased. Adieu till we meet. I am enchanted with my lodgings. Yours ever, S. Vernon. 30. Lady Susan Vernon to Mr. de Courcy. Upper Seymour Street. I have received your letter, and though I do not attempt to conceal that I am gratified by your impatience for the hour of meeting, I yet feel myself under the necessity of delaying that hour beyond the time originally fixed. Do not think me unkind for such an exercise of my power, nor accuse me of instability without first hearing my reasons. In the course of my journey from Churchill, I had ample leisure for reflection on the present state of our affairs, and every review has served to convince me that they require a delicacy and cautiousness of conduct, to which we have hitherto been too little attentive. We have been hurried on by our feelings to a degree of precipitation, which ill accords with the claims of our friends or the opinion of the world. We have been unguarded in forming this hasty engagement, but we must not complete the imprudence by ratifying it while there is so much reason to fear the connection would be opposed by those friends on whom you depend. It is not for us to blame any expectations on your father's side of your marrying to advantage. Where possessions are so extensive as those of your family, the wish of increasing them, if not strictly reasonable, is too common to excite surprise or resentment. He has a right to require a woman of fortune in his daughter-in-law, and I am sometimes quarrelling with myself for suffering you to form a connection so imprudent. But the influence of reason is often acknowledged too late by those who feel like me. I have now been but a few months a widow, and however little indebted to my husband's memory for any happiness derived from him during a union of some years, I cannot forget that the indelicacy of so early a second marriage must subject me to the censure of the world, and incur what would be still more insupportable, the displeasure of Mr. Vernon. I might perhaps harden myself in time against the injustice of general reproach, but the loss of his valued esteem I am, as you well know, ill-fitted to endure, and when to this may be added the consciousness of having injured you with your family, how am I to support myself? With feelings so poignant as mine, the conviction of having divided the son from his parents would make me, even with you, the most miserable of beings. It will surely, therefore, be advisable to delay our union, to delay it till appearances are more promising, till affairs have taken a more favourable turn. To assist us in such a resolution, I feel that absence will be necessary. We must not meet. Cruel as the sentence may appear, the necessity of pronouncing it, which can alone reconcile it to myself, will be evident to you when you have considered our situation in the light in which I have found myself imperiously obliged to place it. You may be, 
you must be well assured that nothing but the strongest conviction of duty could induce me to wound my own feelings by urging a lengthened separation, and of insensibility to yours you will hardly suspect me. Again, therefore, I say that we ought not, we must not yet meet. By a removal of some months from each other, we shall tranquillize the sisterly fears of Mrs. Vernon, who, accustomed herself to the enjoyment of riches, considers fortune as necessary everywhere, and those sensibilities are not of a nature to comprehend ours. Let me hear from you soon, very soon. Tell me that you submit to my arguments, and do not reproach me for using such. I cannot bear reproaches. My spirits are not so high as to need being repressed. I must endeavour to seek amusement, and fortunately many of my friends are in town, amongst them the Mannerings. You know how sincerely I regard both husband and wife. I am very faithfully yours, S. Vernon. 31. Lady Susan to Mrs. Johnson. Upper Seymour Street. My dear friend, that tormenting creature Reginald is here. My letter, which was intended to keep him longer in the country, has hastened him to town. Much as I wish him away, however, I cannot help being pleased with such a proof of attachment. He is devoted to me, heart and soul. He will carry this note himself, which is to serve as an introduction to you, with whom he longs to be acquainted. Allow him to spend the evening with you, that I may be in no danger of his returning here. I have told him that I am not quite well, and must be alone. And should he call again, there might be confusion, for it is impossible to be sure of servants. Keep him, therefore, I entreat you, in Edward Street. You will not find him a heavy companion, and I allow you to flirt with him as much as you like. At the same time, do not forget my real interest. Say all that you can to convince him that I shall be quite wretched if he remains here. You know my reasons, propriety, and so forth. I would urge them more myself, but that I am impatient to be rid of him, as Mannering comes within half an hour. Adieu. S. Vernon End of Section 5 Lady Susan by Jane Austen